The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Nigel Ferguson, Managing Director of the Perth-based AVZ Minerals. Its ASX code is a nice easy one to remember, AVZ, or Alpha Victor Zulu. AVZ is trading at 5.1 cents for a market cap of about 120 million. The market cap is a strong hint that AVZ is not your average lithium explorer. In fact, its Manono project in the Democratic Republic of Congo is the world's biggest hard rock lithium resource, and AVZ's thoughts have very much moved towards a development there. Before diving into the project and where it fits into the lithium-ion battery revolution that is sweeping the global auto industry and the storage of renewable energy, I'm going to say good day to Nigel and get him to fill us in on his background and particularly his African experience. So welcome, Nigel. Thank you very much, Barry. So Nigel, if you uh, can take a moment or two to just let us know, uh, uh, reading your CV, obviously a very deep African experience. How did that come about and uh, what are your thoughts about operating in the, the continent? Um, look, I'm, I'm very comfortable working over there. I think we've had a very good track run uh, over the years, first involved in um, having a look at a couple of projects in Tanzania back in the early 90s um, and then joined Ashanti Goldfields as the, um, the country manager, I suppose, for Tanzania when they had this massive expansion into Africa to try and find uh, more gold deposits. And then it morphed into looking into other countries with potential and, and DRC. Obviously, we looked at the north for the gold potential when I was with Ashanti. Um, and then eventually we went back into uh, copper and cobalt in the south in the Katanga province. What was the Katanga province back there? It's changed a little bit now. But uh, um, in earnest, since about 2004, uh, concentrating on, um, on assets in the DRC. Right. Personally, though, do you have any uh, connections to the Africa? Um, n- no, not really. I suppose we had a um, a family um, history of working in West Africa and Ghana, uh, but nothing to do with uh, East Africa or uh, Central Africa. Uh, just an affinity for the place. It's an absolutely magnificent uh, continent to go and explore. Mm. And you are a geologist of what more than thirty years' experience. That's correct. Yeah, University of Tasmania graduate um, after emigrating there. But uh, yeah, look, I've spent most of my life uh, working either overseas or in Western Australia on gold and base metal projects. Spent uh, a stint of my time working on Central American projects as well as Brazil. I had a look at a few things down there, but um, always seem to end up coming back to Africa. Right. Uh, DRC is a long way from Tasmania. Do you get back uh, to Tassie very often? Uh, occasionally, yes. I'll be heading down fairly soon to go and uh, have a bit of time with my father, who's still kicking on and celebrating his 90th birthday fairly soon. So that's uh, going to be quite exciting. Oh, well. Wow. Okay. Now, um, the DRC, as you're no doubt well aware, Western world investors and increasingly end users of metal, its metal production, uh, often express concerns around the efficacy of its metal supplies. Uh, what's your response? 
personally, we have no issues in that regard whatsoever. We make sure that we're not, uh, I think the biggest thing is children um, in the workforce and we're not using any children in our workforce whatsoever. Um, we have a policy of staying clean of all of those things. We've actually engaged with a lot of the NGOs within Monono to assist in that regard. I know there's been some history in uh, of uh, working in the north uh, for uh, Columbite Tantalum, um, which was run by um, warlords basically, but that's all been cleaned up. Exporting that product across the boundaries, uh, international boundaries, is very hard nowadays. Um, I think you've also got to understand as well that uh, the African family unit is a very strong unit and they will always go and work together. So you will see um, a family affair uh, using children uh, or not using them, but engaged with children in the, in the uh, field as well. But um, uh, for all of our operations, we're, we're squeaky clean. We stay that way. Mm. So would it be uh, fair enough to say that if anything, um, companies like yourself and the Glencores of the world uh, are probably playing a role in the uh, improving the standards uh, around the mining industry in the DRC? Well, I'd like to think so. If you set a good example, then uh, hopefully others will follow. Uh, we, we have a, a policy in, in the company that we're going to be moving ahead with uh, what we're calling the AVZ Foundation, which we hope will be able to uh, push money and uh, resources into schools in the area. Um, there's a, a, a fantastic facility already built um, that just doesn't have teachers or students in there and, and fixtures and fittings. So, you know, that's one area we'll be pushing forward with um, under the foundation. And then there's other areas uh, such as health and uh, and water sanity that we're looking at doing something with as well. We've already started. Um, obviously, it benefits us um, to have the water drained from our area, but we've had uh, 300, up to 300 artisanal miners um, pushed off our site because we needed to do some drilling and it was unsafe, but we re-employed them um, as labourers basically to uh, clean up the water drainage that was put in there way back in the 50s and 40s uh, to keep the place uh, clean and tidy of mosquitoes, which the incidence of uh, malaria has certainly dropped in the last six months. Right. That's, well, that's great to hear. Okay, now um, the focus at Manano is very much on the Roche-Dur project. The DFS is underway and is due in the first quarter of 2020. Um, what should investors be looking out for based on some of the figures we saw come through in the earlier scoping study? We have completed a two and a five million tonne scoping study and both of them gave us some pretty uh, pretty incredible numbers. Um, the, the actual product, uh, sorry, project uh, at the end of the day will probably fall somewhere between the two of them, uh, probably three and a half million tonnes or three million tonnes. We're just working through those numbers as we speak. Uh, we have met test work that's uh, underway at the moment. We're doing a lot of uh, HLS, uh, heavy liquid separation test work to characterise the how the ore responds. Uh, we're getting some very good results for that. So those uh, those results as they come through, and I, I keep on saying this to um, the shareholders when they phone up and say, you promised the test results by X, Y, Z. Well, we are delivering on them. It's just taking a bit longer, and, and it's not just one test. It's a series of tests. I mean, first you've got to understand how how the, uh, the beast uh, behaves, and then you can uh, tune into it and work through the process of finding out exactly how you're going to be able to refine the product down to uh, an SC6 or above is what they're calling a spodumene concentrate, 6% and above, which is the target we have. Now, I've touched on the scale of the uh, deposit, but the other uh, aspect, of course, in the, the world of lithium nowadays is uh, at accessing the market. We know that uh, lithium's uh, 
market has been doing it a bit tough in the last six or seven months. I'm just wondering how you see that window of opportunity for the project opening up. Is it sometime in the early 2020s? I think you're right on track there, Barry. I, I think um, we are down in the doldrums at the moment at around about $550, $600 a tonne for SE5, I think it is. Um, so we're very much at the bottom. Um, we are hoping that that price will come back up. And I think one of the biggest uh, influences there is going to be how much demand is going to be coming through for product and the quality of that product. I know uh, some people are struggling or some companies are struggling with uh, with uh, iron content, uh, some with mica content. Uh, we're very fortunate in that we have a very low iron content and a very low mica content. All of those things could be dealt with, uh, but we certainly believe that the price is going to go, uh, well, this year, the remainder of this year, it'll still be bumpy, and next year we're expecting to see a revised uh, price coming upwards. And then uh, 2021, we're expecting it to be um, uh, flat out again. We, we really do expect that to come back in, in force. Right. Now, on your register, you, you have the Wahugu from uh, China as a 9.4% shareholder. I understand they're a Colbert producer in the DRC. Uh, tell us about uh, the relationship with that uh, organisation and how that fits in perhaps with their broader battery ambitions. Definitely, they are cobalt producers. They have two mines in in the DRC. Uh, They've just put uh, a $500 million investment or commitment to a nickel, uh, lateritic nickel play in Indonesia as well. So uh, when we first met with them and they invested in the company very early, they obviously saw the potential of uh, Monono uh, and being operators in country, they obviously thought that there was a good match there. Um, We've signed a a non-binding contract agreement with them on a strategic alliance so that we can try and align um, pricing on transport, mining, etc. And we'll take out of that relationship what we need, but they're uh, very astute operators within the country and they're doing very well for themselves. Um, They they operate two cobalt mines. I think there's a third one coming on. So uh, they're a strategic partner. They're a a multi-billion dollar company on, I think it's the Shanghai Exchange and also the uh, Hong Kong Exchange. So they're good partners to have, and they've been there for a while. Mm. Are they lithium producers in their own right? Uh, not that I'm aware of, unless they've snuck one in somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I, I believe it's um, it's really just the cobalt and the nickel that they're at. And I think they obviously um, have made uh, mumblings to us about uh, taking offtake from us, which we're very happy with. Um, but that'll come down the track when we get these um, this feasibility completed. Mm. Uh, having them on the register, do you see that as being an important factor when you get around to the financing of the project? Uh, yes, they've, they've intimated that they'd be very happy to assist with financing. Um, I don't think that would be an issue for them. Obviously, they're very well um, respected in China as a, as a major company. Uh, they have very good contacts into central government. Uh, yes, they could, they could finance uh, the whole thing going forward if they really wanted to which is uh, the reason that we have a good relationship. Mm. But, um, that doesn't rule out anybody else that's coming along that's uh, offering the same or, uh, or better terms. Mm. What's uh, the makeup of the rest of the uh, share register? It's mainly retail. We have uh, one or two smaller uh, funds on there. We have uh, quite a few consultants, management, who own uh, a percentage, fair good percentage, uh, family and friends, I would call them. Uh, but essentially, it's a retail. We've got uh, 9,300 shareholders, I think it is. Mm. What, uh, what explains that strong retail following, you think? 
the company um, obviously listed, well, didn't obviously list it, listed with uh, other assets. Um, it went into administration and then slowly it came back out from that after due process. Uh, there was a, um, a residual um, database of, I think, about 2,000 shareholders. Uh, and then people have just jumped on the bandwagon. They, they see the potential of the project, I think, and uh, obviously want to get a slice of it. We had a, uh, at the peak of the interest in lithium uh, a year and a half ago, we had a uh, 37 cent uh, share price. So there was a lot of hype around uh, what lithium was doing and where it was going and how quickly it was going to move. So I do believe a lot of people jumped on then, um, but we've, we've had a fairly strong um, retail base for quite some time now. Um, it's great exposure to lithium, that's for sure. Mm. The, as far as we're aware, is there hard rock lithium production out of Africa at all at the moment? Uh, that's a pretty good question. I'm not aware of anybody. I know um, a couple of them are close. I know Prospect and Harari are, um, are well advanced and they're probably going to be cranking up in the next uh, six to 12 months, maybe a bit longer. Uh, Barimian over in the West have a couple of uh, operations or one operation there, which I think they're trying to get into play. But um, from what I understand, I don't think there's any. I think there's a couple of uh, lithium uh, plants uh, in South Africa. Um, more more associated with the tin and tantalum side of things, I think, Barry, more than the, the lithium. I don't think they're looking at the lithium because it's, I mean, obviously those minerals are associated. So uh, we do have those uh, tin and tantalum plays, which I think most of the spodumene has been going to the waste dumps. Mm. Uh, talking about tin and tantalum, I understand Manana was originally a, uh, a tin project. That's correct. Uh, about 150 million tonnes of material was moved at, uh, at the, the major six major pegmatites we've got on site. Two zones, um, I, I think 12, 10 or 12 pits, I think it is. I'm not quite sure. We've, we've been sort of concentrating to the south more than anything else, but... Uh, Yes, they certainly moved some dirt and it was a, a lot of infrastructure in the place uh, when it was up and operational. I think the last sort of uh, workings on it were about 1981, I think it was. Um, tin prices fell off. Uh, the The product was, um, uh, they were trying to extract the product from hard rock and it was uh, a pretty tough sort of existence, I think. Um, the pricing going down, the recoveries down, so they shut the, the operations down about 1981, 82. Uh, but they certainly produced a lot of tin. They were producing a high-quality tin. Yeah. Well, some parallels there. I'm sure people in this market uh, would remember that Pilbara Minerals, which is now a big lithium producer, originally, and we're only talking three or four years ago, uh, was uh, chasing a tantalum project with, uh, obviously, the upkick in uh, lithium prices uh, changing their mind. Um, now, Monono is, a, I think, uh, a town of about 30,000 people. Uh, obviously, they... Uh, are well aware of what the mining industry is all about and a lot of that infrastructure from the uh, the tin mining operations is still in place. I was just wondering, the town itself, though, is it up for a return of mining? Oh, look, uh, we've, we've had nothing but positive support from um, individuals in the town, citizens of the area, um, because we're providing jobs, obviously, and it's a, a fairly poor area. We, um, we've been very, very uh, much engaged with the, the local dignitaries, the district administrator and um, the, the head of the uh, mines department and uh, the chiefs within the area, very important people to sit down and talk with. So, look, I think they're uh, very much keen to see what's going to happen. Uh, we have tried to calm them down on their expectations. I mean, they're sort of looking for 3,000 jobs, but I don't think we'd get 3,000 jobs out of this operation. Uh, it might touch 
300 families and certainly have a flow-on benefit, as most uh, new operations do. But, um, yeah, look, we're we're very much engaged with them and, and wanting to put uh, a lot back into society there because they've been struggling uh, in that part of the world for quite some time. Um, no power in the town until recently where they... Um, they've put in a solar array. I think it was 1.5 um, uh, gigawatts of uh, power. So um, that's been uh, sort of the, the real advance in the town so far. Um, I mentioned before we've, we've got a, a school building that's been built. We've got a new hospital that's been built, but both of those don't have equipment in them, don't have personnel to run it and don't have the funding to kickstart it. So that's something we'll be working with the locals to uh, to develop and um they're just willing to get into it. I mean, as I mentioned before, we had 300-odd uh, people working for us, artisanal miners who had been on our property. We'd cleared an area ready for drilling and they jumped on and started digging uh, areas out. So we just you know, engaged with the local chiefs and people and got rid of them. And then we re-engaged them to do work for us directly, which I think is the better way to do it. Mm. And just that need for an eco economic boost there, does that in turn flow through to support from the uh, national government? Again, yes, most definitely. We've uh, we've obviously seen a change of government. Um, we have uh, Shishiketi in now as uh, the president. Uh, we did have a team uh, sitting over in Kinshasa for about a week and a half meeting with uh, high-level officials from the departments of mines, the department of uh, portfolios, uh, meeting the ministers and meeting the, uh, uh, the dignitaries that go with it, the special advisors to the president. And uh, as of Friday, we managed to have a, uh, a visit, 15-minute chat with the president himself. So uh, they're fully informed of what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve. And uh, the feedback has been incredibly positive. I think they're all very much on board. Right. Now, I probably should have mentioned earlier, the project was 60% owned, but you have recently increased to 65% owned. The, who were the other partners? We have uh, Dathomir, which is a local entity uh, run by a Chinaman called uh, Simon Kong. He's been operating in the DRC for more than 25 years, uh, knows the business extremely well, knows the country very well. Uh, he was uh, instrumental in uh, bringing the project to, uh, to the table for us. Uh, we also have, um, obviously, Commonier, which is the government entity. Now, uh, Dathomir own 10%, Commonier own um, uh, 30%. And we own sixty percent, and then uh, we've uh, secured an option to purchase five percent from Dathomir, uh, and we are trying to engage with Commonier, but because of the change of um, government, we haven't had, uh, or they haven't had signatory rights to be able to do that. But uh, we're being told that they're very interested in it, so a further ten percent might be able to be bought from them. So that'll take us up uh, quite considerably to seventy-five percent. Mm. Uh, again, I touched earlier on uh, the deposit itself uh, being the world's largest. As a, can I get you just to talk a bit about the strategic appeal of that as the 2020s, uh, the years in the 2020s roll by and this lithium requirement around the world grows? Um, do you see this? Do you see the company itself taking the project forward, or do you think that because of that strategic nature, you might in fact be swallowed by uh, somebody out there who thinks that um, the scale of the project suits them? It could, it could happen. I won't write it off. Uh, but our focus at the moment is getting into production, uh, get this DFS out of the way, get the funding on board, the offtakes in place, and uh, then move into production. Uh, very keen to do that. The, the, the guys are looking for all the team that we've got on board are, are looking for benefits there, uh, obviously, to get the whole thing up and running. It's, it's a personal challenge. 
um, for myself because I'd love to see it go through. Um, so we aren't outwardly talking to people about takeovers uh, or uh, hostile or otherwise. We are really just uh, running with what we've got and making sure that we have all the information correct and ready to go. I think with the new government, we will have um, the potential for uh, uh, a good partner to move this uh, project forward because it is the single largest project in the country uh, that is undeveloped at the moment. Uh, so getting that up and running will certainly be a huge economic boost for Tanganyika province, where it's located for the government itself and for the people in the area. They'll obviously benefit from all of the flow on from there as well. Mm. Okay, well, exciting stuff both at the company level and uh, for the DRC itself, it seems. So, Nigel, thanks very much for your time and all the best with future endeavours. Thank you very much, Barry. Cheers. Cheers.